Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. So anyway, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. And uh, this is a continuation of the program that we did this morning. I've been off the air for a couple of uh, weeks now, recovering from COVID, probably Omicron or one of the millions of variants that are probably floating around out there. And uh, uh, I'm an old guy with uh, bad lungs, uh, but I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Didn't go to the doctor which is probably why I'm still alive. <laughs> so, anyway, we got better and uh, have been uh, getting back to work on a pretty regular basis. I probably could have done the show last week, but uh, anyway, we're back in the saddle again. And uh, like I was talking this morning, we were uh, talking about Zephaniah, but uh, before we got into Zephaniah, because it's part of the message of Zephaniah, is that we talked about politics. Oh, not the politics of the governments of the world, because that's a different kind of politics. That's the opposite. That's the politics of Babylon, the politics of Cain, the politics of Nimrod, the politics of Caesar, the politics of of uh, of uh, Pharaoh. And uh, one of the things that people need to realize, you know, when Jesus says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's, you have to remember that Rome lasted for 500 years before they had a Caesar. <laughs> they had no Caesar. They had thrown out the Tarquinian kings, pretty much the same as we had thrown out King George. And uh, we actually had a better cause, probably. It's hard to tell. It's, that's far back in history. But uh, in the American Revolution, it was actually the King George who was revolting. King George was violating the social contract. We had colonial charters that had already established that was to be no law made in the colonies except by the consent of the governed. Uh, several of the colonies had such uh, charters. And uh, and some of the charters were less strong than others, but uh, they all were beginning to apply this idea because in the common law, if you actually owned land, was a landed immigrant. We're not talking about uh, people that uh, have legal title. We're talking about people who actually own their land. We briefly talked about that this morning. We've talked about it in a lot of places. You can go to Preparing You and probably find audios and articles on legal title. But a legal title is an apparent title that carries with it no beneficial interest, no right to the actual use of the property. If you want to use the property, you have to pay the use tax, and we call that tax a property tax. If you're paying property tax, that is evidence you only have a legal title. Now, how you got to that point, that's a whole history that you're not learning in public schools. But why should public schools teach you that? Because public schools are not really teaching you how to be a free people it's teaching you how to be a subject people. You know that because public schools are based on a socialist principle of taxing your neighbors so that you can have free education. Public schools are a redistribution of wealth. Now, we used to have public schools in this country that were funded by private donations, volunteer labor, 
and uh, like I say, private donations to pay some teacher to teach in that. And many of those schools were sponsored a great deal by churches, but sometimes they made them totally public because they used public land that was not owned by anybody, but was set aside in each township by the original plan of surveying all the land in America that came out of people like Madison and others who wanted to, rather than the meets and bounds of, that we see on the East Coast, they actually were doing, you know, survey plots. And uh, I was a surveyor for a while, or at least did surveying, wood surveying. And so I understand how that works. But I also understand the history because I've done a lot of studying on my own. And so anyway, we were talking this morning about politics, the art and science of uh, government or governing. So that, that's two definitions right there. The art and science, uh, actually art or science, of government and gov- or governing. It's or in both cases. So that's a that's giving you... Actually, like almost four combinations of a definition, and we've only got to the first comma. <laughs> so, but it, it goes on to sp- specifically say, especially the go- governing of a political entity such as a nation, uh, an administration, and control of the internal and external affairs. Now, that control uh, tells you that this is they're talking about a particular type of government, but we've got several combinations of words that we can put in there, art or science, government or governing, uh, especially for the governing of political entities such as nations, administrations, etc. So, I gave another definition this morning, and uh, I am repeating some of this, and if you're listening to this as a whole part of a series, yeah, you're going to get some of this again. But it's important that you get this in your mind. We had conversations with ministers uh, this morning in Florida and 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 then uh, actually out here in Oregon talking about the fact that people's minds keep shifting back to what they're most familiar with. Like a car going down a rutted road, your wheels will keep slipping into those ruts. And what we started talking about is how to fill in those ruts so that you can actually pave the highway of your mind. And you do that with repentance, changing the mind. And you need help in changing that mind. And that help comes from what we call the tree of life or the Holy Spirit or from above. In other words, from a creative force that is greater than the realm in which you live. And we call that the spiritual plane. The activity associated with the governance of a country or an area, and we were talking about that, which is why we have organized the network of the kingdom of God, because the kingdom of God was a network It was uh, described as a network, uh, explained as a network. It was a network in the Old Testament. Jesus took the Old Testament kingdom away from the Pharisees and appointed it to the apostles. Very clear he did that. He said he was going to do that. He said he was going to appoint it to the little flock. We see him appointing it to him. So some people want to say, Are you saying that the church replaced the Levite? Absolutely. Christ said he was going to do that. Christ said he was, who he was going to do it to. 
And then Christ said he was doing it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it replaced them. But I'm not talking about the churches out there now. Those aren't replacing the Levites because they're not doing what the Levites were supposed to be doing. Now, you have to remember that the Levites at the time, most of the Levites at the time of Jesus Christ were not doing what the Levites were supposed to be doing. They were doing what the Pharisees were doing, maybe some of the Sadducees, some of the Zealots. Maybe some of the scenes were close to what they were supposed to be doing. The evidence is that they were. We know that Hoses, who was a Levite in Cyprus, stopped doing what he was doing and started doing what Christ said to do, and he became Barnabas. We know that it's in the text. Now, a lot of people don't put all this together, but they don't even know what the Levites were supposed to be doing. And as we talked about briefly this morning, the people going back to Hebraic roots are often following the path, the roots, created by the Masoretic text and by a pharisaical approach to the Old Testament. And I, I, I find that astounding because we know the Pharisees' approach to the Old Testament was evidently wrong, so wrong that God uh, sent Jesus Christ to take the kingdom away from them and appoint it to somebody else, to Jews. I mean, all the apostles were Jews. They were all citizens of Judea. They were probably not registered citizens of Judea. They may have even been landed in some case, whatever that means, landed, Again, not legal title. I don't know. I, I, there is reason to suspect that. There was reason to uh, uh, suspect that Jesus was not registered. Jesus was not poor. Jesus was rich. The Bible tells us that Jesus was rich. Though he was rich, he made himself poor. And you say, well, wait a minute. Wasn't he the son of a poor carpenter? Is a, why did, where does it say he's a poor carpenter? It doesn't even actually say he was a carpenter. He's probably a stonemason. And he was probably making big bucks first in Egypt, and or not first in Egypt, first to, near uh, where they lived, and then eventually in Egypt, and then back again in uh, Judea. But, you know, his uncle-in-law, Joseph's uncle-in-law, was one of the richest men in the Roman Empire. So why do you think he was poor? But he made himself poor. Why? Because he was going to take the place of John the Baptist. But he was not going to just take the place of John the Baptist. Because John, John said, this is the one that should come after me. If I, if I die, if they kill me, if they cut my head off. <laughs> it didn't say all that, but he may have suspected that's where he was headed. Lots of people knew that. That's why they told Jesus not to go to Jerusalem, because it was dangerous. And, and, you know, John the Baptist knew what happened to his father. There was a lot of, you know, and actually I heard uh, Tim Poole predicting that uh, today, actually, I guess it was a recording from yesterday, but I overheard a little bit of it. And he's he's saying that certain people in government are, are prophesying, <laughs> are predicting that there will be, uh, you know, intentional assassinations of certain government leaders. He's actually voicing that out loud, that there will be attempted assassinations of specific leaders in specific locations and places. Now, I mean, 
is are are they going to assassinate Biden? And then they get the tremendous sympathy that comes with that and the outrage that comes with that. Are they going to, if, if Trump tries to run again, are they going to assassinate him? Who knows? Really what we need to be focusing on is the kingdom and the way of Christ because all those other things and the rumors of war, we talked about that, where the, Russia and the United States might go toe to toe. We're at solar minimum right now. That's The sun is what's driving the weather more than almost any other element. And uh, we just had a small little CME hit the planet. But it evidently took down all kinds of satellites that were being put in place by uh, Elon Musk. And it was, it was a, really a very small CME as large CMEs can go. I mean, it wasn't a mega flare by any means. But it, it it can actually compress the uh, the uh, atmosphere when the CMEs hit. It certainly compresses the magnetic field, and the magnetic field has gotten weaker and weaker. And, and many geologists says that it has been getting weaker and weaker since 33 A.D. <laughs> so coincidence? I don't know. But anyway, the uh, the fact is, is there was a reversal that took place during this that nobody was expecting, and it caused a drag on a bunch of satellites they had just put into place, and those satellites all came down. Or a large number of them came down. I'm not sure how many of them came down. But So anyway, back to governance. The activity associated with the governance of a country or other area, especially the debate conflict amongst individuals or parties having or hoping to achieve power. And again, that power is the right to choose, the exousia, the liberty of choice. Now you have liberty convoys in Canada. you got one plan for the United States. But what good is liberty unless it's also bound to righteousness? Now, certainly wanting the right to choose the autonomy of your human body as to what's going to go into it, there's a certain uh, rightness to that, but that doesn't make you righteous. And what makes you righteous is that you stop coveting your neighbor's goods, and if you had stopped doing that or never started for the last 50 to 100 years, None of this, what we see taking place, would be able to happen. And as a matter of fact, the dark forces that are now mingling with your government and advising your government and manipulating your government would have no power. And your government would not have so much power. Remember, the government that can give you everything you want can also take away everything you have. But we went on to define governance and what that meant the, it was all the process of governing whether undertaken by by a government a market a network whether over a family a tribe or formal or informal organization or territory and whether through laws norms power or language so the kingdom of God is a government. It has government, uh, governance. It, it, there's a process of governing. It is centered in the family. And the family is informally gathered in what we call 
free assemblies. Now, when I use words like free assembly, network, you can look these up at preparingyou.com and we have clear definitions. Right now, I was reading off of the page. I should probably put links into all the places that these these words, these powers, power of choice, exousia, the power of language, that's another thing. That's something we can talk about and probably in this series we will touch on it. But we want to get into Nehemiah. So, anyway, that's a brief rundown. Took up uh, almost a quarter of the show to get you to the idea that religion is how you take care of the needy of society. We used to do it in America through faith, hope, and charity, through free will offerings. Uh, if you needed education, you needed the elderly taken care of, you needed all kinds of people that we didn't do it through taxation. We first began to do it through taxation with the merchant marines. Um and then it was a tax on the merchant marines where they, uh, a portion of what they earned uh, at, uh, in the law of, you know, the sea, <laughs> in the marine law, uh, went to maintaining an old folks' homes for uh, retired seamen uh, so that they could go and somebody would take care of them. They wouldn't just be laying in a ditch somewhere. Now, in other countries, they, they weren't as benevolent, but we were pretty benevolent. But government wasn't involved until then, and then it was only the law of the sea, the maritime law, that was allowing that to take place. Now, we do it through men who exercise authority on a regular basis, contrary to the teachings of Christ, something that we need to repent of when it says repent and seek the kingdom of God. It means stop thinking that it's okay to take from your neighbor so that you can have free stuff. Because that's a covetous practice and that will, according to Peter, make you merchandise. It is contrary to the law of God and because of that, the judgment of God will come upon you quickly. If you go that way. So we started Zephaniah. And we talked about Zephaniah. Which means Yahweh has hidden or protected. Protected by, protected by hiding. And the reality is. Is that. And we talked about this this morning too. And just to remind you that. The, those who love the darkness. Hate the light. They can't come near the light. Just like the armies of Pharaoh could not come near the Israelites on the shore of the Red Sea. They weren't protected by the light in their own hearts, but they were protected by the pillar of fire, the light that protected them at that particular time. Now those are real things, and we can go into why that is, but why tell you the secrets if you do not want to know the simplicity of the truth? So the reality is in chapter 1 we're going to see the coming judgment on Judah just the same as there is a coming judgment upon you and a great day of the Lord upon you. And it will involve everything such as the dark spirits that are advising the leaders of your governments to corona mass ejections from the sun (laughs) and uh, earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars and famines and all those things, but none of which we should fear, but we should seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness because that's where the salvation is. Don't pretend in your idolatry or your ideology 
that you are saved because you believe in Jesus. The evidence that you believe in Jesus is that you're doing what he says. The evidence that you believe in God is that you're doing the will of the Father. If you're not doing the will of the Father, that is evidence you don't really believe in God. You believe in a God, but it's a God of your imagination. It's an idol created in your own mind. Now, I know I said all that this morning. I say it lots of times, but nobody else is saying it enough. So I'm going to say it as many times as I can. So we started reading uh, Zephaniah chapter 1. We got through verse 1. We got into verse 2. I will utterly consume all things from off the land, saith the Lord. And we see a word repeated there twice. This Eleph Shemek Pei, uh, which is a cough. Uh, you could say that's one way to pronounce it. It means to gather, or to gather, to assemble, to reward. But they're talking about destruction. So what, what is that all about? Eliph uh, has to do with the father-son relationship. It's a paradoxical relationship of God and man. But of course, you may have a relationship with the gods many of the earth. You know, because we know there are God's many. So, who are those? The ruling judges. The guys deciding what is good and evil. You know, we talked about this vaccination. And and uh, we had the Department of Defense came out with data that shows that certain ailments are showing up amongst the vaccinated population of the army. So many of the army people were vaccinated. And we're finding, you know, certain things are up. You know, a thousand times more. Some things are up 400 times. Uh, miscarriages are up. And infertility is up 300 times of what it was before the vaccination. That's huge. And uh, the the numbers seem to be skyrocketing. There's a lot of damage control trying to stop people from seeing that. But like I said just this morning, we have people we know who got the vaccination within 24 hours. They were dead. Yeah, totally paralyzed by uh, uh, blood clots. Some uh, One of the doctors who advocates uh, everybody getting the vaccine. Some of the doctors in our local hospital actually don't want people to get the vaccine. They let them if they want it. But they advise certain people that this may be not a good idea because of your particular health and condition. But certain doctors are adamant and actually scream and yell if you don't go get it. Well, they were just flown to the hospital with cardiac problems and a heart attack, which is one of the symptoms that come from uh, myocarditis and uh, other inflammatory things with the heart because of the spike protein circulating in your body. So... Uh, other people, I won't mention who they are, but numerous other people have come down sick. Some have been hospitalized, all with the same general type, either myocarditis or blood clots or uh, other ailments. Uh, women who've just stopped having their periods altogether. Now, some people will get the shot and they don't have that, but one of the reasons why is the shot may circulate in your blood. It's not supposed to, but if you, if they don't, you know, withdraw the syringe as they poke you, they may be in a vein and they may actually inject the serum directly into the vein. Even if they don't, it can get into the vein through the capillary actions. And if it starts circulating throughout your body, which we know it is doing in many cases, you may get a completely different reaction. Also, 
Some people are allergic to the protein and will have an actual breathing allergic reaction as the protein circulates in their body. Some people will say, oh, there is no protein in this. No, the idea the mRNA is is injected to program your cells to create mRNA uh, lipids and with the spike protein. So, yeah, it's not injecting spike protein in you, but it's injecting the code so that your body makes the spike protein. Now, this is facts. A lot of people don't want to hear this, but anyway, let's go back to Zephaniah. Ella, father, son, uh, call no man father upon the earth. Remember that when Christ said that? Uh, that if you pray, our father who art in heaven, in that higher place, from that spiritual place, Thy kingdom come when thy will be done. So you actually have to do the will of the Father for his kingdom to come. You're not going to do the will. The kingdom's not going to come to you. Give us this day our daily bread. As, as And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive others. So this is a formula. This is a pattern that you're supposed to be following. This Elif Shemek, the eternal cycle. Father, Son, eternal cycle followed by the word, the letter pay, which is communication, the oral Torah, the mouth, the uh, to blow, the knowledge, to speak. So we see that repeated twice. And what are the, why do they repeat it twice? Remember that father-son is the paradox. If you have fathers of the earth, if you are praying to the fathers of the earth for your daily bread, a different set of events is going to take place. That eternal cycle is going to bring a different kind of judgment. If you're if you're praying to the Father in heaven and not to Caesar, not to the fathers of the earth, the Patronus, that's when Jesus said, call no man on earth father. He's using the word uh, patre, which everybody in the crowd knew that they're talking about. He's talking about Caesar. Because that's what Caesar is called. All the senators of Rome are called Patre. Caesar was called Patronus, our father who art in Rome. Give us this day our daily bread. But Jesus is saying, no, you get your daily bread from the Father in heaven. How do you do that? Well, you sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and you begin to practice pure religion through a daily ministration of charity and love, not force and covetousness. See, all the modern Christians today are doing it through force and covetous through their religion, which is government. Their priests are in their government. So, But this is not a new thing. This is what happened in Rome. This is what happened in Egypt. This is what happened in Cain city-state, in Babylon. This is how Babylon actually functions and works. And how the kingdom of God works is that you start caring about one another. You start sharing with one another. And if you don't want to do that, then you don't really want to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because that's righteous. Coveting your neighbors is not righteous. It's sin. If you're still sinning, then you love darkness. If you love darkness, you're not born again. You're not born from above. So, a lot of people are not going to receive this message. They're not going to want to hear this. It's not going to convict them in their spirit. Some people will be convicted in their spirit, but then they have to act upon that. 
And why do you have to act upon it? Because in your acting upon that, you will go through the process of filling in those ruts that in your mind where you kept slipping back to the ways of the world instead of the ways of Christ. If you don't become a doer of the word, you will continue to slip back. You will slip back into that thinking, slip back into that pattern of behavior. And Jesus tells us when he casts out demons that if you guys don't change and put this into action, you're you're going to have worse demons take over. And right now in America, we have had several opportunities to repent over the last, you know, my lifetime, 70 years, three quarters of a century. But we're not. We're going, We're doubling down. Many of us are doubling down. Now, I know some of you out there are starting to repent, but you have to put that repentance into action. Very important. Verse 3, I will consume man and beast. I will consume the fowls of the heavens, the fishes of the sea, and the stumbling blocks with the wicked. And I will cut off man from off the land, saith the Lord. Now, that's that's a really important statement, and I've started a page on stumbling blocks. I mean, I got the basics up, but I want to go through a lot of the places that you see this word stumbling blocks mentioned. You know, either in the in the Hebrew or the Greek, because it's we're de- of course we're dealing with different words. Like the strong Hebrew word for stumbling block is actually composed of the letters, at least in this location: mem, kof, shin, lamed. Hey, that's quite a few letters that they've added into this Mekshay law. Okay, uh, this there's a definition of this uh, as a Kaf Shin Lamad, which has to do with stumble or stagger or totter or just, you know, like lose your footing. Uh, but it's usually figuratively. Uh, it can be an enticement, like an idol. And, of course, modern religion is one of the big idols of today, is that people worship their religion, but they don't worship God. They create an image of God with their religion, and they worship that image. And then you have to join their church. So you don't, you don't join His holy church. You conform to Christ. And if you see us doing what Christ said to do, if you think what we're saying is what Christ said to do, then walk with us. Again, that's why we call them free assemblies, because you're not because you're not a member in the sense of a person. There, because God is no respecter of persons. You can join whatever you want to join. That isn't going to get you into the kingdom of God. That isn't going to make you righteous, because God is no respecter of person. So this uh, this word that we see uh, occurs uh, in verses in Isaiah three six when a man shall take hold of his brother of the house of his father saying thou hast clothing be thou our ruler and let this ruin be under thy hand so. What it, what is he talking about here in this this word of stumbling block this this thing that will make you ruin? Is it, 
Well, for one thing, if you give power to somebody, you can corrupt them. That can be a stumbling block for that person. If you neglect responsibility, that can be a stumbling block. Of course, if you're eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that can be a stumbling block. But we don't want to go too far off on stumbling blocks. So let's get back here to these other verses because I see the clock is ticking. But he says he will consume man and beast. And, of course, we can look at that word beast in uh, the Hebrew. You know, when they talk about the beasts of the field, they are actually talking the living souls of the field. You know, because they talk about all the animals as the, some two by two and some, you know, seven of this and, and all this. But then there's the beast of the fields. And the be, of course, that's our translation of beast of the fields, but it's actually the living souls of the field. So what, what is that all about? And I will consume the fowls of the heavens. So what are the, the things that fly in the heavens? And the fishes, the th- things that swim in the sea, that live way underneath the sea, uh, the stumbling blocks with the wicked. Wait a minute, now that's a shift. Stumbling blocks with the wicked. So these stumbling blocks are with the wicked. Now I'm not going to tell you what all these things mean, but I'm, I'm giving you, I'm pointing out stuff for a reason. Eventually these things when maybe somebody will play them years from now, and after many things have happened, they will begin to understand what the stumbling blocks with the wicked. He's going to destroy the stumbling blocks with the wicked. <laughs> so, anyway, who are the wicked? Who are the stumbling blocks? Who are the fishes that live way under the sea? Who are the fowls who fly in the air? Who are the beasts and who are the men? And why are men and beasts separate? Is, is the beast just all the animals in the field? Well, it could be. It could be that's what he's talking about. But uh, we actually see uh, uh, in Ezekiel describes the beasts of the with the same letters as we're seeing here in this text as the abominable beasts. Well, the general animals in the field, they're not abominable. But stumbling blocks and wicked and abominable beasts in the field. <laughs> now we're talking something similar. You gotta remember that uh, Beelzebub is the lord of the flies, or some actually translated lord of the flyers. Now I'm not gonna connect the dots on this. I'm just throwing this out so that you see in this verse 3 that, and I'm probably revealing more than I probably even should. But there's a connection to all this stuff. But the important thing is that you repent, start seeking the kingdom of God, start not only saying Lord, Lord, but start doing the will of the Father so that the highway in your heart is paved with righteousness. Not because you're righteous, but at least you're seeking and striving to do righteousness and this will help pave the highway of your heart so that you may gather closer to the tree of life. Now, you every day in the kingdom, you have a choice to eat of the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You have the choice of humility or vanity. Every day, you're going to be faced with that choice. Sloth or industry. Diligence or apathy. 
These are the choices that are laid out before you just as they're laid out in your children. Your children, they do their chores or they don't do their chores. If they don't do their chores, there's repercussions. It's the same with you. The the metaphors and allegories of a family are the metaphors and allegories of the kingdom of God. So they're, they're trying to teach you something with this understanding. So we go on to see in, in verse 4, I will also stretch out my hand upon Judah. Now this is the judgment of God. This is the cause and effect of the universe. It isn't God, you know, all of a sudden I'm really a tick that you guys are going to be upset. It's built into the system. It's going to go a certain way if you think a certain way, if you act upon thinking a certain way. This is why repentance is so important because that's thinking another way. People are saying, like, what sins do I have to repent of? All of them. (laughs) You have to think that these are sins. I don't want to, these are contrary to the nature of Christ. I don't want to be a part of them. If I believe in Christ, that should not be a problem. If you find that you still like certain sins, then you don't really love Christ as much as you say. You don't really believe in Christ as much as you say. That is, a, that is a measure for you to help you realize I have need of repentance. I need to go to my prayer closet and think about why am I doing these bad things? <laughs> so that we call sin. Why am I coveting my neighbor's goods to the men who exercise authority? Why did I ever think that FDR was a good guy? Why did I ever, why didn't I realize that LBJ was a stumbling block? Maybe LBJ was just the wicked and the stumbling block was somebody else. You know, this, uh, there was a lot of things going on behind the scenes all the way back in the days of Eisenhower and, uh, and Truman and, uh, you know, with, with Eisenhower and, and, uh, uh, well, you know, FDR, Truman, Eisenhower, uh, and then, Kennedy instead of Nixon, but then eventually Nixon again. And, but then there was LBJ before Nixon. But there was lots of stuff going on behind the scenes, and that's where the stumbling blocks come in that, that work with the wicked, the dark forces, work with these people, and start moving whole powerful institutions in particular directions. But of course, the reason those institutions are as powerful as they are is because we were already sinning against God, the same as we did in 1 Samuel 8, when we wanted to have men who exercise authority solve all our problems. We want to give more and more power to government to to solve all our problems. And, of course, God knew once you start down that road, start developing the ruts in that road, then you're going to have to go more and more down that road until you finally repent. And that's what we were doing. We were going more and more down that road of unrighteousness uh, with public schools and social security and welfare and the great society and the New Deal and all these things were uh, systems that were covetous practices making the word of God to none effect. And it was brought in by the remnant of Baal. The remnant of Baal is like those who follow the error of Balaam. 
which is, of course, like the Nicolaitans. Nicolaitans and Balaam are equated as the same error. The error of Balaam and the deeds of the Nicolaitans are the same thing. It has nothing to do with somebody named Nicholas. It has to do with the conquered people. Both those words mean conquered people. One in Hebrew, one in Greek. And how are they conquered? They are conquered by their covetous practices of Shemarims, the idolatrous priests. So, but anyway, if we read in in this verse 4, I will also stretch out my hand upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place and the name of the Shemarims, Shemarims, with the priests. So who is this? <laughs> the Shemarims. You know, so again, we have another Strong's number here. Kafmim, Resh. But anyway, uh, I can probably go through this in, uh, you know, it only occurs a few times. And uh, sometimes it's translated priests and sometimes it's written as Shemarims. But Again, remember what I was talking to, we'll just touch on this briefly, we'll probably have to come back to this, this idolatrous priesthood. Your congressmen, your senators, your governors, these are the priests of your daily ministration. Now, yeah, they appoint, they appoint other people, like Social Security Administration, Welfare Office, all these things, to redistribute to the needy of your society. That's not pure religion. That is the antithesis of pure religion. Pure religion is to take care of the needy of your society unspotted by the constitutional order and system of government. You don't do it unspotted. As a matter of fact, 90% of all the social welfare in your society is by the men who exercise authority. Contrary to the teachings of Christ who you tell me you love, but you don't want to do things the way he said to do them. And we have people arguing, oh, you're talking about salvation by works. All we have to do is believe in Jesus. Well, you that's true. All you have to do is believe in Jesus. But if you don't like doing what Jesus said, if you can't hear what he said, you can tell me you believe in Jesus, but you're just like Sapphira. And Ananias, you're not believers in Jesus Christ. You're liars. Liars to yourself. Liars to everybody else. And you have need of repentance. And I'm only, I'm not, I have no satisfaction in telling you that you're lying to yourself or you're under a strong delusion. That, that doesn't make me happy. But I have to tell you, so, cause you're headed for destruction. Because you have idolatrous priests, like we see in Second Kings twenty three five, and he put down the idolatrous priests whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense. And on that page, I have that quote. I should make that word incense because I have a whole page on incense. Incense doesn't have anything to do with burning up little stuff and smelling it in your nose any more than piling up stones and burning up sheep was making God happy. The living stones of the altar 
was a system of social welfare of pure religion. Of course, now Cain had his altars, but he plowed the Adama. Now, I'm, I'm giving you clues here. But I'm not going to explain every single one every single time I mention it. But hopefully it goes back to help you remember. But you cannot find the kingdom of God simply by studying in the tree of knowledge. You have to turn your actions towards the righteousness of God. The righteous way of Christ. Which is a way of sacrifice. If you're coming together for any other reason than to sacrifice to set other people free, to save other people, then that is a reason other than the name of Christ. But anyway, these people, these other kinds of idolaters, priests, burned incense to Baal. How do we know they burned incense to Baal, to the sun and to the moon and to the planets? These are all metaphors. Because they were burning these things, they, their burnt offerings were not free will offerings. They were forced offerings. Don't remember until John the Baptist, everybody's trying to do it by force. But John the Baptist said, no, you have an extra coat, your neighbor has none, you share, do the same in meats. There is the distinction between whether you're following the ways of Christ or not. And, of course, most Christians today in most churches, 90% of their welfare is taken care of by men who exercise authority. It's not taken care of men who, by men who exercise charity. Most of their priests are down at the welfare office. The guys they go to on Sunday or Sabbath or whatever day they want to pick, they're just there to tickle their ears and make them feel comfortable in their strong delusion. They're not going to find the Holy Spirit because their comforter is the pastor, priest, or pontiff that makes them feel righteous. So in verse 5 we see, And them that worship the host of heaven upon the housetops, and them that worship and the, that swear by the Lord, and that swear by Malcolm. I probably need to go through that word too. I probably will do that by next next time we do the show. I'm running out of time and I'm not going to be able to go into that too much. But these priests are always associated with Baal and idolatry along with an, uh, an abandonment of the humility of prayer. And prayer in the sense of requesting in hope of receiving. Application for entitlements to men who exercise authority, it, that's Baal. That, that's Cain. That's Nimrod. That's the way of the Nicolaitan that turns you into merchandise because it's a covetous practice. You see, but if your priests are priests of charity and when you pray for assistance, you're allowing other people to make the choice, then the choice you extend to them will eventually be extended to you. This is built in again. If you judge it's okay to take away the choice of your neighbor, the choice will be taken away from you. A lot of people are upset with all the mandates because it's they want the liberty, they want the choice. You want to bring the choice back. It's fine, you can do your trucker's deal. 
But if you're not giving people a choice in everything else, if you're still sending your kids to public school, if you're still sending your parents to the social national insurance program, if you're still doing all these things, then you're not doing what Christ said to do. You're not taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. Now, I know, you know, a lot of parents that are going to say, well, I paid in, I get it right. To, those systems are bankrupt. They've always been bankrupt. They've never been operating in the black. They've always operated in the red. And we show you that in articles also at Preparing You. If you go look up Social Security, and it's the same with National Insurance, none of those systems have ever, 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 ever been solvent. Verse 6. <laughs> okay. And them that are turned back from the Lord, because you've turned away from the ways of the Lord, and those that have not sought the Lord, because you aren't doing it by faith, hope, and charity, you're doing it by force, fear, and fealty, nor inquired for him. Oh, yeah, you go to your churches, but you don't really want to know what Jesus said. Because he said... You weren't to be like the governments of the Gentiles who exercised authority one over the other but called themselves benefactors. He said that. But you haven't inquired about that because you want your benefits because you love the wages of unrighteousness. Now, you know, I take a lot of notes when I go through this and I, I put things together. And uh, then I have the side notes over there. And then I'll eventually edit this program and hopefully take out all my coughs and and uh, and stammerings, uh, to at least some of them. <laughs> anyway, but uh, when I do that, I will add to the side page. I will put in stuff so that you understand what that word uh, Malcam means. I can see the the letters in Hebrew in my mind, which are probably Mim, Lamad, uh, Chet, uh, Aeon, Mem. And I thought I already put this in here somewhere, but I don't see it. Maybe I put it in somewhere else. But uh, anyway, sometimes things don't get saved. But we'll try to get this. And we're doing this with a lot of the prophets. Uh, I've also started working on some of the New Testament again. And uh, I was even in Leviticus the other day and added a whole side panel to one of the Leviticus pages. And I just constantly am building on this. But you need to sit down in a network and help me find all the other people that are willing to hear this. Because a lot of people will not hear it. They they don't have ears to hear. They don't have eyes to see. But those who are willing to see it. And right now, more and more people are going to be going through more and more hard times. More and more difficulties. And they're going to be willing to look at things that they would not have looked at six months ago, two years ago, three years ago, six years ago. And then we've had a lot of people listen for a long time and they sit on the fence. Well, hopefully they will now start sitting down in those tens, hundreds, and thousands. I mean, if you will not take the time to do that, when really bad times come and Yellowstone blows up or whatever is going to happen... You know, the Ruskies start shooting rockets in, uh, or the Chinese invade. Uh, I, I could go into it and start drawing all kinds of pictures, but the reality is, who will come for you? God will not send anybody for you because you would not go for other people. Remember, God said in Samuel 8, that all these bad things are going to happen. Take and take and take and take and take. And every, your children will be in danger and all this kind of stuff. 
And when you cry out, I will not hear you. If you want God to hear you, start hearing the cries of others. Start caring about others. This fills, fills in that rut. This helps you on the road to the righteousness of God. This is how you are perfected in Christ. So you have to go that way. Because people have been turning back from the Lord when they turned towards FDR and LBJ. And, you know, there there were guys, I don't remember the names of the guys in Australia, but South Africa had them as well. Um, Canada. I mean, how did you get Trudeau in there? How did you get Biden in there? This is unbelievable. How How despicable the people must have become to allow this to happen. And, but now they're starting to wake up and great. And now, but I want them to see the whole picture and not just be upset and honk their horns. That they, they need to create the alternative, which is the righteous way of Christ. Verse 7, hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord hath prepared a sacrifice, he hath bid his guests. Okay, there's going to be a sacrifice. That This is the day of the Lord. This is the consequences of a hundred years of covetous practices in Canada and in the United States, in Australia, in Europe, in the Soviet Union. Everybody's going to suffer on this day of the Lord. Now, there are many stages to this day of the Lord, just as there are many stages to the New World Order, or what, what do they call it, the Great Reset. So, but I want you to understand the principles that you you have to get the wedding garments on. You have to start caring about others. You have to start doing it in an organized fashion. But I can't organize you because it's not that kind of government. You have to organize you. You have to choose. I can say you need to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, but you have to do it. And if you won't do it for others... Why would God send somebody there to save you? Anyway, verse 8. And it shall come to pass in the day of the Lord's sacrifice. He's prepared this sacrifice. This this taking of blood. That I will punish the princes, the kings, children, and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. Now that strange apparel, I should put a link in there as well. Strange wives. Strange apparel. It's not the breeches of the Levites. Maybe I should put a link in there to the breeches of the Levites. So you understand why the people had to sew the breeches of the Levites. What what were they doing? They were empowering their ministers to be their ministers. And they could take away that power any day and every day. Every day was voting day in the kingdom of God. But it made them the strongest nation around. One of the most successful nations around. And it would make America great again if we repented and went that way. In the same day also will I punish all those that leap on the threshold which fill their master's house with violence and deceit. Leap on the threshold. That's You're taking from your neighbor. You've become accustomed to live at the expense of others and depend for your livelihood on the property of others. 
to fill your master's household with violence by forcing the contributions of your neighbor. Just so you can have public school. All this is contrary and it changes you. It changes your mind. It reprograms your spiritual computer. And you need to repent of that. I know we're running out of time. Uh, Verse 10. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord, that there shall be the noise of a cry from the fish gate and the howling from the second and a great crashing from the hills. Oh, that is just full of metaphors. And, you know, they had a difficulty in translating that. So they had this kind of awkward translation. Because they don't understand the meaning of the words. But it is written that way. To make it difficult to understand. Because, again, God knows that you need to to eat of the tree of life. Not the tree of the knowledge. So if he explained it, and this is one of the things we were talking about today. And I mentioned it earlier. You can explain this over and over and over again in intellectual terms and people won't get it. This is why this is written so cryptically. And why I, I give you only little hints here and there. So that you, the consequences of the Holy Spirit is the salvation of God. And the consequences of denying the Holy Spirit cannot be forgiven. But anyway, that's uh, that's all the time we have. And so we're going to have to go back to uh, save this for uh, the, an, another time. Until then, peace on your house. And may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.